I was very conscious of the um, banner up here and I'd like to say a great thank you to everybody in the church here uh, for the welcome that I personally have received and my wife and uh, I'm sure Daniel and the, the rest of the team would agree with that. It's been like I, as I discovered when I went to Gunnersbury, it was like uh, coming home and often when one goes to churches where the spirit of the living God is at work, then it's the same. You're feeling part of one great family and it's wonderful to be here with you this weekend and here tonight uh, to share God's word with you. So thank you for all your kindness and all your encouragements. <clears throat> and as we ponder this concept of mission that we've all been called to, uh, I want to look into this passage from John's Gospel, um, focusing really on chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. But in doing, in looking at this passage, I have also felt that it's um, going to be, it's worth looking a little bit further back and starting in John chapter 12 at verse 44. When Jesus, uh, in a situation where he's uh, speaking, has been speaking with those who are resentful of him or disbelieving or trying to cut him out or whatever, he says, when a man, in be a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one believes in me, no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And then we move on to chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, said Simon Peter, replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Well, let's pray as we, before we look into that, that passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that you have called us into your family. We thank you that you have shown us your wonderful love. And we thank you for this passage where Jesus shows his love for those who were his. Father, help us to take in, understand, take to heart and act upon what you have to say for, to us tonight through this passage, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we have this mission weekend that we've been involved in and it's been a great time for us all, I think. Um, and as we look at this passage where Jesus knows that his time has come and knows that he's about to leave this world, he gives his disciples this great um, expression of his love and he displays a great example to them of how they should behave. But it's interesting to me, as could I have the, the slide that we're going to be looking at, please? Um, I wonder if we might have some lights down. Sorry? Ah. So you can see that. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So this is a great example of Jesus showing his love to his disciples. But it's interesting how it comes in contrast to that passage before where Jesus is talking to those who might reject his word. But he's also in that passage, in that passage from John 12, or 44 to 50, I think Jesus is showing great humility in, on, one, in one, on one hand as he says, that it isn't only him that, if someone believes in him, we're believing the one who believes in, is believing in the one who sent him. 
And when one looks at Jesus, we're seeing the one who sent him. He came so that we, those who believe in him, should not stay in darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, came into this world of darkness, calling those to him that he, who would not stay in darkness. But then he also says, doesn't he, quite humbly again, that it's not he who judges those who reject him. All that he says is commanded by the Father. He's emphasising, isn't he, in a sense, his humility before the Father. But he's also stating, isn't he, his own true identity. If we look at Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, we are believing in the Father and we're looking at the Father. None of this is of his own accord. All is organised, commanded by his Father. And he knows that the command that his Father has given him will lead to eternal life. Everything he says comes from the Father. Emphasising that to those who are not believing on the whole. <clears throat> but then we come to the passage before the Last Supper. Supper is being prepared. And we, hear, we read these words three times, I think. One in verse 50, Jesus knows. Jesus knows all things. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world. And then Jesus knew in verse 3 that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew everything that was going to happen at this time as he washed the disciples' feet. He knew their needs and he knew what he had to teach them in these last hours with them. But it's interesting, isn't it? Having loved his own who were with him, he's spent all this time with them, showing them the way, showing them his power, showing them God's power working through him, bearing with them when they were slow to understand, continually being patient with them. Sometimes it seemed being irritated with them, but only for their own good, as he chided them for their lack of understanding or their lack of faith or said that the devil was in them. Now he was going to show them the full extent of his love. How does he do that? The evening meal was being prepared. He knows that the devil has already worked in Judas Iscariot. But he knows that all power has been given to him by the Father. So we read that he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. Just makes me think a little bit about how he left his heavenly throne, took off his royal robes, and clothed himself in flesh to teach us, to help us to understand, to be ultimately the sacrifice for our sins. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He poured water out. Soon he was to pour, his blood was to be poured out as a means of washing us clean from our sins. But the crucial point of this passage is this interaction, this conversation, this discussion, this time with Simon Peter, 
who would be one of the main leaders of the disciples after Jesus' death. And his resurrection and his assumption up into heaven. Peter says, knowing how one, that Jesus is his Lord and Saviour, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Why does he say that? Because Jesus is becoming the humble servant. He is showing his, his followers how they should behave. He is God's servant, humbly doing God's will, knowing God's will, and knowing what his role in the whole salvation plan for mankind is. <clears throat> and he says to Peter, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. How many of us go through life not realising what Jesus has done for us? And I can say, well, later on in my life I started to understand. <clears throat> and I'm still learning, we're all still learning. The disciples were learning all the time, weren't they? We have a deeper understanding, but we never stop learning as the process of sanctification goes on and we resist. As Peter does, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And there's amazing words, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. People... Jesus is teaching. Every word Jesus says is teaching, isn't he? He's not just talking to Peter there. He's talking to all the disciples and he's talking to us. He's talking to everybody that reads and hears this word. Not, uh, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you will never be clean and you will never be part of the brotherhood, the fellowship of, of believers. So then Peter not really understanding, as Jesus says, you don't understand, wants the whole deal. Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. <clears throat> the disciples still didn't quite understand what he was doing. We look back and we can think, oh yes, they didn't understand. How could they not have understood Jesus was with them? But we know that our understanding is always compromised. Very often compromised, unless we are really close to Jesus. <clears throat> A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. If we have had that bathing in Jesus' blood, then we are cleansed. We just need this foot washing as we walk through this mucky world where we get tainted by the world's ways, the sins of the world, and our own tendencies to, to fall back to that fallen state that we all were born into this world in. We only need to wash our feet. We've had a bath. If we have been cleansed by Jesus, if we've given our lives to him, if we've had that baptism of the Holy Spirit that uh, comes as we recognise who Jesus is. <clears throat> but Peter doesn't realise still, it seems, although he has recognised it earlier in, in, the, in the Gospel story, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, he doesn't realise what Jesus has said in the previous passage, not to him, but disciples would have been there, no doubt, that when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. So Peter is here, as we look at this picture, 
staring into the face of the living God, the God made, of God made man. And Jesus, as we see in the picture, is taking on that role of a servant. He's taken off his outer clothing. And I think in the picture we see probably that's his robe uh, lying over a box or something there. And Jesus is kneeling in that servant role before Peter. Notice how the painter has actually made Jesus appear smaller, I think, than, than, the, than Peter next to him. He's just painted him on a slightly smaller scale, I think. But what compassion we see. We've sung about compassion tonight. What compassion, what love, what tenderness, what patience in that interreaction, interrelationship between those two faces. This is a painting by a 16th century Italian artist from Venice called Tintoretto. I'm not claiming that it's a great painting, although he was a wonderful, one of the main, most famous artists from 16th century Venice. But it's, I think it's a wonderful painting in terms of the message that it conveys, which to me ties in so nicely, so acutely, so precisely with this, this passage. Jesus showing his love to his disciples in what he says, explaining to them the whole situation and telling them what they should do as his disciples, as his followers. And we can see as he kneels down, takes this role of a servant, which they all would have been astonished by. Their feet would all have been dusty, and before they ate, it's this kind of traditional thing of washing their feet, but nobody else has done it. It's not the role that most anybody would really consider doing, unless they were the lowest of servants. So Jesus, their teacher and Lord, shows them how they should behave in the world as his followers. He disrobes, takes off his outer garments, wraps a towel around him and gets the basin of water and goes round one by one washing his disciples' feet. But Peter, always the outspoken one, always the one who speaks, maybe without thinking, but is the voice of the apostles, of the disciples, and there's this little kind of confrontation Peter on the one hand no you won't wash my feet when Jesus explains unless I wash you you have no part with me they're not just my feet they're everything Jesus then explains all that is needed is the the foot washing and he then goes on to tell them how they should wash each other's feet because they are his followers they need to humble themselves don't they in the same way that he did. Interesting, isn't it? When he, in verse 12, when he'd finished washing their feet, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. That's the message, isn't it, for his people, for us. That we should show love to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Whenever there's a need, we need to be prepared to humble ourselves, not to stand on our pride, not to stand on our position, not to stand on anything that we think is uh, puts us above anybody else we should take on the role of the servant, as Jesus did, and serve one another with good deeds, showing love to one another, helping one another as necessary, caring for one another, 
It's the sort of love that I was referring to as I talked about how I was received into the church at Gunnersbury and what it's like to come into churches like this church to receive love from (coughs) the brothers and sisters in, in Christ. No servant is greater than his master. Jesus is God's servant, father's servant in this context, isn't he? This whole entangled thing of God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But God is, Jesus is his father's servant on earth. He's obeying his father's will. He is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So the messengers, the disciples, in a sense Jesus is a messenger as well, but the disciples here, the messengers of Jesus, he's saying, no one is greater than the one who has sent him. So, the Heavenly Father has sent Jesus, Jesus is sending out the disciples, they have to get it into their head who is greater, where the greatness is, but as their master and their Lord, he is humbling himself to the lowest of the low servants' role, and that's what they should do, he's saying, isn't he? Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not as easy as all that, as we know. Um, all sorts of. Th- I, I made that comment about being a deacon uh, and being an eye-opener, such opening situation from um, all the wonderful things that you experience as a new Christian, <clears throat> and then you get into situations where money is involved, where opinions are involved. Where pride is involved, and a group of people have to make decisions to, uh, for the benefit of the church, and put aside all their own interests. It can be really difficult. It's a struggle at times. I'm sure you've come across this. In all sorts of com- uh, committee situations, it's a problem. But even within the body of Christ, as we all have different roles to play, and we've prayed over this weekend more than once about people show about the Lord showing us or our. our us realising how what we have been given, the gifts we've been given, whatever they are, great or small, in, in, in everybody's eyes, it's important that we use the gifts that we've been given uh, for the mission work of the Lord Jesus. Whether it is a ministry of cooking, a ministry of washing up, a ministry of knocking on doors, a ministry of preaching, they're all of equal, in, of, of equal importance in in the, the work of the Lord. It's, a, it's in using these gifts, isn't it? In unity as the, the, the fellowship of believers here at Long Crendon or wherever we are to work together for the glory of God to take his kingdom out into the world. The world is the locality as well as the other side of the world, isn't it? And reaching out where we are in our day-to-day lives and not necessarily in a forceful way. Sometimes it can be just in a gentle way, in the way one be- behaves and interacts with people. But if we can behave as Jesus does in this gospel message here, this gospel passage here, then if we can say that we're behaving like Jesus, without being over- overtly humble and, o- and-, and expressing ourselves in you know, over-the-top over way, if we follow Jesus as he's washed his disciples' feet, then we're doing okay. So let's look at this picture a little bit more. Jesus kneeling down, and this incredible, I think, it's not a very clearly, precisely detailed picture, but Jesus looking into Peter's face and explaining patiently 
unless I wash you, you have no part with me. But also, you only need your feet washed. The world is a murky place. As we interact with the world and with each other even, we still have this tendency to fall back on our pride rather than on our humility. And Jesus is pointing this out in this picture. It's quite a nice warm picture in the sense there's a glowing fire in the background. Some of the disciples are warming themselves, others are kind of just sitting and talking, but they would all have heard and understood, well, not understood, but saw what Jesus was doing. They didn't understand right away. And there's this warmth of feeling, I think, that comes from this picture, and to me, mostly in that uh, interaction between Peter and Jesus, as Jesus gazes into Peter's face and explains uh, what he has to say about humility and needing to be washed. <clears throat> so I think this is our, the message that we are to take on board tonight. Um, whether the painting helps or not, the words of God are so powerful here to me and so touching that we just have to um, <clears throat> let them sink into our, into our hearts and attempt to put them into practice. Do you understand what I've done for you? When his task was finished, Jesus returned to his place. He was getting ready, wasn't he, to be crucified. He was getting ready to face the anguish of Gethsemane. He was getting ready, as the suffering servant, to undergo the almost insulting questioning that he was going to have from the Jewish religious leaders. And he was getting ready for the discussions with Pilate and then the condemnation and then the whipping and the insults, the spitting, the brutality, the presentation to the people to be shouted at with hatred and then finally the crucifixion, dying a sinner's death, (coughs) dying a criminal's death, dying a death that he didn't deserve. But a death that was laid out for him in the plan of his father. His mission was being carried through to the end. He took off all his heavenly glory and was exposed as a suffering servant who suffered incredible pain but he knew that all power had been given to him by his father. And he knew, as he was on Gethsemane, he knew that he would face that separation from his father as he bore the sins of the world, as he took on that servant role so that those who believed in him could be cleansed. And he became the sin, the dirty water, if you like, of the world. It was poured on Jesus. Darkness covered him. The world was darkened as he hung on the cross, as he bore the sins. Now that he has shown his disciples what he's done for them, they should behave similarly.
carrying their own crosses. Times get tough, don't they, sometimes. I was talking about how Michael and I have struggled as we've been into the East End and working in East London for London City Mission and facing whole new things that we never ever um, thought we'd experience uh, as we as a newly married couple and seeking churches seeking a church, seeking a new home, working a new job great pressures great difficulties we struggle with these things sometimes we wonder if God's got it right but if we trust in the Lord Jesus who has shown us the way has borne all those difficulties that he has experienced throughout his time on earth that he knew he would experience then what what an example we have to follow any of the difficulties that we experience are nothing compared to what our Saviour has experienced and what he's gone through for us but we need to bear in mind don't we to continue to bear in mind that how he showed us the full extent of his love not just by washing his disciples feet but it's an example of his great servant nature and how we should behave towards each other as fellow sufferers along the way as fellow sufferers and fellow brothers and sisters who have the joys and the sorrows of being a Christian in our hearts, in our lives and the difficulties that we face so we look to this passage and uh, we again understand now that I've done these things for you now that I've shown these things, you, these things to you now that you know these things you will be blessed if you do them. So the message is, follow the Lord Jesus, behave like him as a servant, and behave like that to each other. It's such an encouragement, isn't it, to be able to serve each other in the church, and to be aware that others are serving you, and encouraging you in that way. So let's pray. Father, we so often do not realise what you've done for us, what you are doing in our lives. We go through such difficult experiences, illness, tragedies, problems with work and jobs, relationship problems. Father, help us to understand, remember that you know all things. And that as the one who drew us into your family, Lord, we ask that (coughs) you'll enable us to understand why we go through these things and how we should continue to trust in you, Lord. Because you bore all the difficulties, all the horrors of and punishments and experienced all the vileness of men towards you, Lord. You know all these things that we go through, Lord. Help us nonetheless to trust in you. To behave as those who understand what you've done for us. To be able to be those who can wash each other's feet. To follow the example of our Lord Jesus.
as we travel on this journey through this life, in this Christian walk, Lord, help us to stand firm in the knowledge that we have been washed clean by the, by the Lord Jesus, by the blood of the Lord Jesus, and that we only have to be washing our feet as we go on, on, this, on this walk, Lord, as we walk through this world. <clears throat> Help us to be those who enable each other to realise that we just simply need to return to the Lord Jesus daily, weekly, individually and as the body of Christ to be reminded of what and how we should behave and what we should do to emulate in our humble way what the Lord Jesus has done for us. So Father we thank you for this example, for your word to us tonight, Lord. Help us to ponder these things in our hearts, to take them with us into the coming days ahead, Lord. We thank you again for all you've done for us, in the name of Jesus. Amen.